That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. Hello and welcome to We're Drunk and We Know Things, a monthly podcast hosted by me, Rob Dutley, and Mike Dean. Hello! This month, it's the letter C, so we will be talking about Casablanca. Did you want to say it at the same time? That was no. bad. No. Okay. okay. Um, and in our tech segment, we'll be talking about cookies, caches, and other crap that tech support tell you to clear. Recorded in front of nobody at all, because we're alone in the beer garden at the Prince of Wales, and uh, fueled by Boondoggle, we hope you'll enjoy this episode of We're Drunk and We Know Things. Cue jingle. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you can rely. Right, so yeah, so this week we're talking about, uh, this week, this month, we're talking about Casablanca. Um, it's a movie I've loved for a long time, um, but you have not seen until we decided to do it this podcast? No, this is a, a confession time. I have, well, I have now seen Casablanca, otherwise this would be a very, very It'd one-sided conversation. I can just say whatever I like. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't That know. scene with the chimp um, and I have the Tommy known. gun is amazing. I have now seen Casablanca, but prior to watching it for this recording, I had managed to miss it. It became one of the many, many classics that I just simply never got round to. I think everybody's got a bit of a blind spot with that stuff. It took me a very long time to see Taxi Driver, so yeah. so yeah, it's uh, yeah. Casablanca is a classic. Yeah, um, I'd uh, say so. Pretty much regarded by most film lovers um, as it generally switches in at, in and out of like number one or two spot with Citizen Kane. Um, I prefer Casablanca. Yeah, which is I why we're not re- doing Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, then the fact I, that I had to do Citizen Kane for university. Yeah, uh, I think and, if uh, you have any media or film background in any kind of school or university, you'll have done Citizen Kane to death. Um, but uh, no, uh, I, I just love Humphrey Bogart more than anything else. Um, the least handsome leading man heartthrob of the 40s, as we yeah, discussed a little is, bit earlier. He is not a looker, is he? He's not. But it's, it's like you say, it's a masculinity thing, isn't it? It's like chain-smoking. He, he was a grand chess master in real life. He's really? like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He, uh, he always, he's like, seems like a guy that's always got half a bottle of whiskey in him. And like, you know, don't talk shit about his dame, because it'll, it'll lamp you. I think this that's, is the thing, is <laughs> having seen him recently in Casablanca, that, that view of of Bogart is quite fresh um, I have seen him in other movies um, I'm fairly convinced that he pretty much plays himself in every one of them yeah pretty much um, yeah. But well this is this is one kind of, of his okay. first leading men roles uh, he... so let's let's yeah. place this within the chronology of cinema so uh, they've invented it um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's um, been a real Nosferatu's thing. been been made yeah. Yeah, it's 1942 um, where are we 1942 yeah 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 so uh uh, it's not a prestige picture. It wasn't expected to be a big thing. It wasn't a big tentpole movie or anything. Um, it was, we've got these people working for the studio. Um, it was made for less than a million dollars. Um, and nobody really expected anything for it. They got a workman director kind of in, uh, Michael Kurvitz. I can't remember his name. can't say his name. Um, and yeah, they did have to get Ingrid, Ingrid Bergman over from another studio and they paid a, a fair whack for that. But like I say, it just wasn't... It was a time filler. Um, They sold the script the day after Pearl Harbor. 
because they wanted patriotic movies. So literally the day after they got the, the script sold, it's based on an unproduced play called Everybody's uh, Everybody Comes to Ricks. Um, and yeah, like, nobody is, had any expectations. One of the first takeaways is obviously we're all familiar with the, the war film genre or the um, incidental war film genre where mm. the Second World War is a backdrop to. This yeah. was actually made during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, yeah. it was made like... It, well, it was sold the week that, the, that America entered the Second World War, I guess, if it was, you know... Um, it was released in 1942 um, to coincide with the invasion of Northern Africa, specifically Casablanca, by the Allied troops, um, and then was re-released in 1943 for the Casablanca Records, which was Churchill and um, the American president of the time, who I cannot remember the name of, or find in my notes, thank you very much. Um, film buff, not History, history kids, buff. pay attention in school. <laughs> if you want to know about history, listen to our other podcast, we're drunk and... We knew things. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. um, plot summary. Uh, we do this every time and then we end up just wheedling off well, into if, nonsense. If people are aware of the plot of Barbed Wire, um, that is starring uh, Pamela Anderson. Because um, this is the Pamela Anderson... Um, yeah, right, go on. I'm, I'm intrigued yeah, no, to see oh, where yeah. this is going. It's, this is serious. Um, our... Um, sound guy, Coco Mafente, will insist that it's a shot-for-shot remake. It's not, but it is a sort of story remake where it has, it has exactly the same plot, weirdly. And it's, it's meant to, it's not just a rip-off. In seriousness, Barbed Wire is a pseudo-remake of Casablanca. Right, so this is, is a bit this? like um, <laughs> um, Outlander and High Noon, right? Sure, yeah, 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 they, yeah. They deliberately yeah. lift it. Okay, yeah, yeah. so if you've seen Barbed Wire, you, know? you now know exactly what happened in Casablanca. Podcast over. Um, I don't remember there being <laughs> quite so many buxom, blonde, no. ex-Baywatch stars. Oh, you Humphrey Bogart keeps saying, don't call me babe. Does he? No. No, I don't no, think he, he says doesn't. that once. No, he doesn't, no. <laughs> um, so, no, so, um, Humphrey Bogart is the manliest man of all men ever, living in Casablanca, Rick, uh, running a, uh, a bar, um, and a young woman comes in with I Victor Laszlo. Bear in mind that, um, in terms of context, Casablanca at this point is, um, it's free French, although it's not in France, um, yeah, it's in North but Africa. It's kind of basically run by the Vichy. Yeah, yeah, North yeah no, it's, it's run by the Free French. Um, yeah. So it's French-occupied North Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But effectively, uh, as a, a stopover, a point on on the road for people attempting to flee Europe, um, yeah. they would effectively head south through France at great peril. They would make it to Casablanca and try and get to the states, and then try to get to the states yeah, via yeah. Portugal, Lisbon, Lisbon. Yeah, yeah. Lisbon. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's the, certainly the premise where the exit, of, are, exit visas are going to. Is to yeah, the premise of the movie is, and this is all laid out for you, by the way, in a nice um, pre-roll narrative. Um, see, I was paying attention. Um, <laughs> is that actually a lot of people cannot get out of Casablanca because the exit sure. visas are like hen's teeth, yeah. and so what you've ended up with is this melting pot of society, yeah. Yeah. Um, trying desperately to get away from the war. Which all is, different Which is why the of, only two Americans in this. Like classic American film are Humphrey Bogart and Sam, who again I don't know the name of. I should, probably should know the name of him, um, but they're the only two Americans in it. Everyone else is English, Austrian, Hungarian. You know, um, there's a very big thing uh, of these exit visas being very difficult to get because they have to be get begotten from Reynards, the police chief, played by, Paul, uh, yeah. played by the Englishman Claude Rains. Um, it, what I love about this film is that. I watched Doctor Strange last night, as I said to you a bit earlier, and Benedict Cumberbatch is do- doing, I'm doing the inverted comma fingers, doing an American accent the whole way through. 
this is the time when they're like, no, I know you're meant to be French, whatevs, you're Claude Rains. Yeah. Just speak with an English accent, it's fine. But you totally buy, okay, he's French, whatevs, whatever. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, so, Reynard is a, a slimy kind of... He, he Basically, he's banging women to give them exit visas. That's played down massively and was actually a lot of scenes were cut out because the censors wouldn't have it. I think you get uh, one one specific scene that maybe speaks to him, it. Yeah. Um, she comes and says, "If I do, if a if a wife does something dishonourable for a good reason, kind of thing, it's very heavily implied." Um, so it's it's virtually impossible if you're not a hottie with a buddy to get out of Casablanca. Against this backdrop, mm. um, and we've got all sorts: rich, poor. You've got um, an entire. Effectively, an entire economy mm. driven in this town. And you still seem to have tourists, don't you? Because you've got that couple at the beginning with a pickpocket. Well, no, saying, but they're oh, trying to leave. But That's they, the thing. Is everybody is trying to leave? They're meant to be escaping, right, but they're new okay. into town. These yeah, are the yeah. wealthy. Um, uh, spoiler alert: um, <laughs> the wealthy couple <laughs> um, who we see getting uh, relieved of their cash by a yeah. pickpocket, who is yeah, clearly. Yeah. Well known locally, yeah, yeah. Um, that's he, he runs the same game, and again he just and delivers again. that like huge amount of exposition at the beginning. That's just like, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. brilliant. Um, and this is it: you get pickpockets, you've got a corrupt uh, police chief, and you have Rick, the curmudgeon Rick, who's what opened a bar yeah. that's surprisingly well appointed for North Africa. <laughs> yeah. But that uh, I've no. been to Morocco. I've been to Morocco, and it's not. It's not that nice. <laughs> no, this is a, a five star hotel yeah, level bar, yeah. um, and he basically entertains the great and good and the, the unwashed if they can yeah. make it in, um, in in his bar with with music and gambling and all the mm. things that you need whilst you're waiting to desperately escape mm. the Third Reich. Yeah. So we've got the background. Yep. We know when it was made. Yep. This is. A love story, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a broken-hearted love story, isn't it, really? It's um, Rick sees that, you know, she comes in, she's got her, her new beau, which it transpires is why she left him in Paris, uh, because she uh, she discovered that he, she thought he was dead, she thought Laszlo was dead, so she hooks up with Rick. Turns out that she's, he's not dead, and she goes back to Laszlo because he's, like, the leader of the... basically the leader of the French bloody revolution. Resistance. You know what I mean? The resistance, that's <laughs> it. He's the leader of the French revolution. We're doing Les Mis, right? Yeah. Right, okay, cool. Um, um, and yeah, um, so she goes back to him out of kind of duty kind of thing. And it's, there's, a very, there's a very big, there's a byline, a through line of like people doing things for the right reasons. Um, and that's a very much a part of Rick's character. Is he's meant to be this curmudgeon unsavory, playing both sides guy, but... You know, he does the right thing in the end and all that kind of stuff, you know. It's, uh, uh, that, that actually is a spoiler. Um, although everybody <laughs> apart from me has seen this movie, so I'm not spoiler, sure who, who it's spoiler, spoiler, spoiler for. Spoiler he does the right thing at the end, and it's very nice. Yeah, because he's <laughs> pretty much from the opening scene, he's he's shown as being, you know, the the uninvolved at best, yeah. uh, the self-involved at worst. Well, he, he, um, Peter Laurie is in at the beginning. He's the one with the exit visas to sell, and he tries to get them to save... He tries to sorry. He tries to get Rick to keep him safe for him, and um, Rick hands Ugarte over, doesn't he? Hands him over to the Nazis. Um, you know, he, he says, "Hide me, hide me, Rick." And Rick says, "Listen, I, what, I don't know. What am I going to do?" That's, in a weird way, that's subject to interpretation. I don't think he hands him over. It's like pragmatism, um, isn't he it? He doesn't like help him. Sure. And this is the thing: is he, uh, why am I going to put myself? I won't out kill you, for but you. I don't have to save you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is what we get. So we've, we've got Rick um, running his amazingly well-decorated bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has well, a pianist that, it turns out, 
that was pianist. pianist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It turns out he brought with him from somewhere else. New York. Um, well, they were in Paris, weren't they? They were in Paris. Travelled with him since New York is meant to be. And then you've uh-huh. got um, Comrade Veidt as Major Strasser, who is the the bad guy Nazi man. He's the Nazi in charge, head Nazi. He's the Darth Vader, and he's um, well, he's just basically he wants Victor Laszlo, but because it's free France, he can't just off him um, as they will want to do. Um, Nazis. Why did it have to be Nazis? Um, no, that's snakes, isn't it? Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Nazis. Uh, I hate these guys. Nazis. I hate these guys. No ticket, etc. Um, we'll save that for I. Uh, and yeah, but um, so he's the bad guy that wants Victor Laszlo by hook or by crook. Um, Comrade Vate, interestingly, this will interest you. Comrade Vate, who played him in like 1921 before he left Germany, he was in a film called The Man Who Laughs. And that film was Jerry Robinson's uh, inspiration for the Joker. So Major Strasser is the bloke who was the, the inspiration for what the Joker looks like in the Batman films initially. Uh, comics, I should say, initially. Nice bit Good of trivia stuff. for you. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, the Nazis arrive. Yep. Um, in full force. Yep. But can't do anything. Yeah. Um, because they require the um, the, the blessing of, of Renault and, and yeah, yeah. what have you before they can actually yeah. do anything at all. Um, but they still, generally speaking, strut around being... I'll be honest, they're quite nice for Nazis. They're not bad. They're very polite, movie. at least. They're, they're very, very polite. There's a lot of standing up when people get up from tables and stuff like that. Very, uh, yeah, very, very much so. Um, but yeah, um, so the, the Nazis show up. Yep. And then, of course, inevitably, Laszlo shows up. Yep. Um, and Paul Henride very, very, was very, very unhappy because he was just starting to be a leading man. And to be billed third after Bogart, he was very unhappy about. Um, but, you know, tough shit, mate. Basically, them's the break. Them's the break. Sorry, um, and yeah. So he turns up. He's this very. Uh, they actually had to like grey his hair up and stuff because he was a very young man. Um, so he turns up. There's that who'd incredible you t- who'd you turn scene. Who did he turn up with? Oh, she turns up with yes. Victor Laszlo. Yep. So uh, the resistance leader, Ingrid Bergman. Yep. Um, in one of those classic, classic Hollywood mm. reveals of the heroine, yeah. um, walks in and is immediately perfectly made up and lit. Of course. Despite the fact that she's in North Africa, having Ru- allegedly like running been running for her life, yeah, um, for for weeks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll draw a veil, yeah. um, and it turns out that we get the her the, and Rick were once an item. Yeah, it actually doesn't turn out that that was the case until much much later on. This is one of the first instances of something that I genuinely loved about the film. There are lots of things that I didn't like, which we will get to uh, in a short while. Um, it sets up tension, and it's actually quite good sexual tension given that 1942 yeah, sure, um, well, you know that there is some this. connection yep. and bear in mind I'd literally gone into this blind I hadn't done any reading I hadn't read a plot summary or what have you so I was literally watching this for the first time you've got um, Ilsa mm-hmm. Ilsa um, <laughs> yep. and uh, Rick and there's clearly some, some stuff there mm. and then basically we start to uh, progress you mm. get some classic cinema moments well, you've got the, like, you've her saying, you know, please play it, Sam, and playing as time goes by. Rick comes in, that's how Rick find, first finds out she's there, is that he's playing as time goes by, and Rick comes in and is absolutely fucking furious. I told and you like, never to play that. I told you never to play that. And there she is. And there she is, yeah, exactly, yeah, you know. I mean, Jesus, that's goosebumps, that moment. It is a bit chilly out here, admittedly, but, <laughs> yeah, it is, that is proper goosebumps. It progresses that he, he knows there's something going on. There's a very difficult conversation between him and her and Laszlo and uh, the police chief, Claude Rains. And then my favourite scene, Humphrey Bogart 
drinking a bottle of whiskey while Sam plays the piano. He refuses to leave. And Sam says, uh, you played it for her, you played it for me. Um, if she can stand it, I can. And then he has his flashback to, to Paris. And a minor breakdown there by proving so that apparently good. he can't stand it. So good, that scene. So, yeah, we get like the, 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 the flashback pain to of Paris. Him in that scene is so um, sorry. Where, and, uh, it's little moments. Um, you know, the, the film is black and white, right? Sure, yep. Um, and, Which we'll talk about, actually, because they um, colourised it at one point. But we'll talk about did that. Did they get the dress colour right? I, th- I don't know. I don't know how they knew. Well, she says it. He says it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I they remember wore the gray, day that the yeah. Germans read, they wore grey, you, you wore, wore blue. blue. Yeah. And you're there going, yeah, we don't have colour. I wonder if yet, she was wearing so. Hugo Boss as well. <laughs> it's very slimming, apparently. Ooh, podcast just dissed <clears> Hugo <throat> Boss. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we get the flashback, um, and we get the uh, attempt the to drink story. all yeah. the champagne before the Nazis arrive. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. It doesn't me, you could just take some with you. They'd rather pour it out than drink it, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then the war has arrived, and this is actually, again, another... Um, it's another element of tension that's mm. throughout the movie is yeah, the, yeah. the imminence of... And we get it in the flashback, and then it arrives, and they have to run on ahead of this breaking wave of, of fascism yeah, across yeah. Europe. And also, you've got this constant feeling throughout that, especially with the arrival of the Germans in Casablanca, is it just a matter of time? It's catching up with them. There's so, time is catching up. It's... it's, it's is literally danger, and his past is basically his past is catching up with him literally and figuratively um, in Casablanca, which he thought was going to be ends of the earth kind of thing. Um, but it just—I mean—all of those scenes, those flash, that flashback scene when they're in Paris, um, creepiness aside, um, you know that scene at the train station. Sam turns up and says she's not coming, but she gave me this letter, which I totally haven't read. Don't worry. Um, like it's raining so you don't have to have a shot of Humphrey Bogart crying because God forbid um, but you see the water dripping onto the letter and stuff and it's, oh is it tears it's rain oh it's very it's, it's I think I'll be honest that's one of the and appreciating that this was made fairly early mm-hmm. relatively speaking there are certain moments that are beautifully subtle yeah there is some interplay and there's actually a focus um, that's pulled when Rick, Ilsa and Laszlo first meet and they've gotten up to say goodbye and yeah. Rick is saying goodbye to Ilsa. Ilsa yeah. is saying goodbye to Rick. The focus is firmly on Laszlo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, she is soft. He is softer. Well, I think there's a question of um, like. Is... But sorry, sorry. Um, there are also certain points where subtlety goes out of the <laughs> fucking window. <laughs> They're like, "Oh my god, we're making a movie. We can do this cool thing, and people will think it's cool." The tears and the rain. I mean, oh god, please. Um, well, you know the other one is, rain. for some reason, and this doesn't even serve any kind of dramatic point, right. the shot where he goes to the safe to get the money out to pay the gambling table. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. actually, some, somebody, either the director or whoever, mm. so you know, we're not going to show him doing it. We're just going to show his shadow perfectly projected on the wall. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, God, really? Um, well, you've got um, some stylistic kind of touches I mean like, like I say he was a higher gun the director so he's probably just trying to put a stamp on it maybe I don't really know and I think that in some ways it I suppose plays to the strength of uh, the general direction because those are oddities rather yeah. than the norm but they do stand out a little bit yeah yeah being completely honest you look yeah at no, you fair go, enough mm, yeah. yeah well like I say I think it's because they were just making a perfunctory you know, workman-like film that was meant to be put together and he was a like I say a higher gun who was probably just trying to put a little bit of stylistic flourish in here and there and I agree I think a lot of the reason it works so well is because it's so workmanlike if it was massively over top stylistically then yeah it wouldn't have worked if it was directed by Orson Welles 
It just wouldn't have. It, it, it's 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 very um, it is it is kind of uh, very straightforward, and I think that's that's part of the kind of the romance to it, kind of thing, perhaps. But yep. yeah. But yeah, so he so anyway, so he he has his cafe now in um, in Casablanca, which is staffed by various colourful characters. You've got the barman who's in love with the vet, uh, Yvonne, even Yvonne, but Yvonne, I love you, uh, which is amazing. Uh, the Austrian Carl, the Austrian waiter, who who who's he in love with? He's like? definitely sorry, yeah, he is definitely gay, gay for Rick. Yeah. We might get in trouble on the line for on the online for saying it like that, but no, he's definitely in love with Rick. Um, We're not saying there is anything wrong with that. There's no way there may have been something wrong with that in his current situation in 1942. That's definitely why they didn't Um, they didn't play that up. But uh, I watched it again the other night for the umpteenth time and was like, "There's like it's like when you're watching like when you watch Star Wars and you'll go, oh, Anthony Daniels is a gay guy.'" Like, there's no other way to read the, it, is he's there? He's the gay even, robot. Even if that's not the point, even if he wasn't written as a gay character, I don't know that that actor was gay, if I'm honest with you. I know he fled Austria after Anschluss, and he had a lot of the actors um, had fled the Nazis in real life and had people, uh, family members that had died in concentration camps and that kind of stuff, including that actor who played Carl. Um, but no, I mean, that is... He's brilliant. I mean, they, uh, what's great is they all... You know, the audience knows that even though Rick acts like a bit of a bastard, he's got like he's he's a nice man at heart because every single member of the staff in that bar, uh, they all love him. You know what I mean? They, they don't idolize him, but they they absolutely they're so endeared with him because they know that deep down, well, it's kind of go. I think again, it, and, and again, this is evidenced, not least of which in the entire end of the movie. Um, mm. But when the the, um, the chief of police, Renard, shuts the bar down, because yeah, yeah. the Nazis demand that he shuts the bar yeah. down, um, and uh, there's a, just a throwaway thing, it's like local economics, it's mm. really exciting. Um, and Rick says, don't worry, everybody will get paid. Yeah, how um, long can we stay open for? Yeah. Everybody stays in full pay, and it's two weeks, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's that scene with that, the, we were talking about earlier as well, with the uh, woman that comes and sees him and says, if a wife does something dishonourable but for a good reason... What this is should the, you do? <coughs> Sorry. Is this the allegedly 17-year-old Bulgarian played yes. by a 35-year-old woman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the 17-year-old Bulgarian who's um, she's basically going to bang Claude Rains in order to get an exit visa. And do you think, you should, do you think I should do it? And he basically tells her to do one. And then her husband, she says her husband's at the roulette table, is it? The roulette He's playing table. roulette. And Rick basically goes over and gets them to fix the game so that they get enough money to buy the exit visa so she doesn't have to sleep with him. Um, and Claude Rains is like, oh, you bastard. You've, I wanted to bang her. cost me a shag. Yeah, oh. But that's okay, because I'm British. <laughs> I'm, I'm a British Frenchman and I'm really quite charming, so it's all good. I think before we get into the next segment of, of kind of what you have to talk about, what you have prepared, one of the main things that I, I did love, I, I was not a huge fan of the the leading man or the leading lady um, oh really or no. bo- bogey or bergman they they do their thing and what have you but what made this film genuinely enjoyable was the supporting cast yeah i'd agree with that um, i'd agree i, I do know. love them and i love their chemistry but yeah i would say so well rounded and what have you and you've got the the i can't remember his name the the elderly slightly rotund barman oh sydney green oh the maitre d yeah that's carl Carl. Carl, the Austrian guy, yeah, the, yeah. I'm saying, the who, gay guy, yeah. Yeah, but again, there are certain moments where he's flirting with the Germans who are, are yeah, trying to absolutely. leave and what yeah, have you. Of and course, saying, yeah. of course, this is why I a good man. And you actually find yourself, if, if you immerse yourself in it, raising a bit of a smile. Mm. Um, 
But I, I mean, I do like the chemistry between between Bogie and Bergman. They apparently he. I mean, in real life, he was very curmudgeonly, and she found it very hard to kind of get anything out of him. Essentially, like uh, emotionally. But I think on screen they work well. What's interesting is she's a few inches taller than him. So she, he had to wear lifts in his shoes the whole time. So he had literally had to wear platform shoes so that he was taller than her in the film. And she was wearing flats, presumably. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So apparently that pissed him off quite a lot. So he was quite grumpy about that the whole time. Um, but I think they have quite a good chemistry um, outside of, as we say, the creepy daddy issueness of it, that she's with these older men the whole time. Um, but no, I, I think they work well together. But I agree, it, the... the Without the background, without the supporting cast, it would be very one-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, one of the biggest uh, moments comes towards the end of the film. Um, and we get... Um, in fact, we get two... Uh, they're kind of two quotes that run in to sure, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the problems of... Was it the problems of two people in this world down amount yeah, to a yeah, hill of beans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, if you don't go with him, you'll regret it. Maybe yep. not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And with the rest of your life. And also, um, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. So it's like, let's stuff three of the most famous quotes of Hollywood into the last eight minutes of a film. <laughs> and they take off in the plane. Um, that sorry, Laszlo. Uh, Laszlo and, and Ilsa take off in the plane. But she, he's tricked her, hasn't he? He said that they're going to run away together, and they're going to go, and Laszlo can be damned! Um, because she's in love with both of them. Um, she kept asking during the making of it, uh, during the production, like, who am I going to be, who am I meant to be in love with? And she just kept being told, just play it in between. Like, she, she's, I mean, she's clearly meant to be in love with both of them. That is the yep. point, isn't it? And it's duty above selfishness. It's for her and for him. Um, but she, being a woman, can't make that decision because she's too emotional uh, in 1940s Hollywood. So he has to make the decision for them and tricks her and sends them off you know, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, exactly that. Um, this, by the way, being despite the fact that, and this is um, kind of, I, I don't know if we're going to do a specific Rob's review segment, um, but despite the fact that at one point during the movie she has a gun on him. Yeah. You know, she could have just shot him in the testicles and relieved him of the letters, mm. movie over. But she loves him. Um, but she loves him. And he does the super, oh. it's so patronising, like, fine, go on, do it. I don't want to live anymore anyway because I'm Humphrey Bogart and I've got three quarters of a bottle of whiskey in me. He had half a bottle earlier, but it's later on in the film now. Yeah. So, um. uh, so yeah, so, yeah, so they, it was amazing. Sorry, just as an aside, when they're making that bit at the end with the plane in the background, um, they couldn't afford the plane, as you probably noticed. There's that amazing, my, uh, my wife is super loves her planes, and her two comments she made during the film were, tell you that plane's not, uh, not low enough to land properly because it's a model plane. But in the background, when during that scene, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, they're running around with the plane in the background and they're fueling it up and whatever. They couldn't afford a real plane, so they built a big model and they got a load of little people and put them in overalls. So it's false perspective. What? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's a model plane behind them with little people in overalls and they're just shot in such a way that it looks like there's a plane in the background. So the backdrop to one of the most iconic <laughs> moments in cinema <laughs> history like little people running around is... in overalls. Dwarves? I don't know what... Uh, oh, little little people. people, I believe. Yeah, let's take the little people. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and presumably, when they're tipping all the kerosene, they just throw a match in there, and it's never, all gone. The thing is, is that, I'm like, because obviously I know this, and every time I watch the film, I'm like, you just can can't you tell. tell. Can it's tell? so... No, you really can't. It's just put together so well that you're like, oh, it just looks like they're far away. It is the Father Ted thing of these horses are very <laughs> small, small, and these ones are far away. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they uh, basically um, they fly off. 
to a, a new life. Uh, Rick Off to and Lisbon. Um, uh, Renard um, kind of agreed to basically, it's almost a continuance of their relationship. Just, uh, Renard just kills all the Nazis. Well, does he? He shoots everybody and then he says, oh, they shot him. We'll just tell him they shot and escaped. And they say, well, we're going to have to do one as well. Rick's handed the bar over to Sydney Green Street and they're going to say, we're going to have to do one. And yeah, that's the end. Rick's yeah. off, off, and off into the sunset, being uh, like his new. I guess he's now sided with the resistance, and now he's uh, he sided with resistance, and now he's now riding off into the sunset to be some kind of badass mother. Shut your mouth. So what happens next? Well, there's a, there's a sequel, sort of. There's a there's an agreed uh, authorized sequel, um, which is a novel called A Times Goes By. Um, well, that actually, that's a line. That's a prequel. Because that's about his time in America and why he had to go to Casablanca. But there have been various books written about like what he does afterwards, which are generally just shit, basically, and just no one liked. Um, weirdly, they released the movie when they, when TCM, when Turner bought it in the 60s, 70s, 60s and 70s, um, to play it on TV, he, they colorized it. So, and that is literally, they got a load of people to colour it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, yeah, hopefully they got the, the dress right. But yeah, but um, yeah, so there was the colorization, but otherwise, there's never really been a sequel or anything like that, which is good. Um, Madonna wanted to remake it in 2008 and very nearly got it off the ground. Just say, was there nearly a reboot? It was going to be remade uh, set in Iraq, starring um, Madonna as Ilsa. And God, uh, Jesus, Mary, Mother of God, I can't even imagine. Can Jason, you imagine? Jason Seriously, uh, Jason Statham, I guess it's Rick. Maybe let's cast that. Well, film. he's also shorter than she is. You see, so yeah, you've got, that's you've true. Got yeah. I mean, who would you get? I mean, they would just they should just put Guy Ritchie in it, wouldn't you? Two thousand eight. All right, I'm Rick. I'm a Cockney, but not really. It'd be the worst. I run a really upmarket hotel <laughs> under really difficult circumstances. They could shoot it in that pub that Guy Ritchie owns in London. It would be it would be the best. Um, but no, I mean, it's one of those movies that. I think because it's been hailed as such a classic that people just leave it the fuck alone. That and Warner Brothers, like you say, they've co-opted the, as time goes by now, as their ident at the beginning of movies and things like that, that they, I think even Warner Brothers, even Warner Brothers, who this week have announced uh, that they are going to reboot The Matrix randomly. It's overdue. <laughs> it's been ages. <laughs> We've had too many original films since then. Um, well, maybe even to, they. Maybe to be it. honest, they could actually fix the second and third movies to make them not a giant crop. Well, they're, of shit. they're talking about just an aside. They're talking about doing a prequel with Michael B. Jordan as Morpheus. So Morpheus, a Morpheus prequel. But I, like I think uh, at, without the, all of the, the one bullshit, that could be quite good. But anyway, that's that's that's. Yeah, I think actually, I'm not sure. I'd need to verify this, but I'm pretty sure that Warner Brothers started doing that around about their fiftieth anniversary. Or seventy fifth mm-hmm. anniversary, they did, yeah, yeah, they, they like changed that. Yeah, yeah. the. I don't yeah, know. I yeah so. so it's clearly and this wasn't a huge success at the time, right? No, it wasn't. I mean, it was it was quite well received, um, but it as the war went on, it became more and more because it's quite it's a very patriotic film and it's very you know fuck you the Nazis, um, unlike all those other Hollywood movies that are so pro Nazi, <laughs> they. Um, it became more and more popular. And these are the days as well when a movie was released and was in cinemas for years. Like, it's like before when we were talking about Blade Runner, Bambi was still in the cinema. You know, it had been out for 18, 25, 40 million years. It's the same with Casablanca. So it's, it's hard to judge box office and that kind of stuff because they ran for so long they didn't have a three-week release like they do now. It's interesting talking about um, patriotism. 
um, comes through as a, a major theme for the movie as well. And of course, you have the iconic scene where the Germans are, are in Ricks mm. um, and they co-opt the piano. Oh my God! This, yeah, uh, this is the best scene. And yeah. they, I can't. I'm not exactly sure what they're singing. It's, it's some form of it's like the Nazi na- anthem. It's basically, it's the it's the Nazi uh, national anthem. There's the actual German national anthem, and then there's they co-opted. I can't remember the name of the song now, but it's an actual. It's an actual. It's the the actual Nazi anthem that they. And this is actually bizarrely something that you see again in um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah, Nazis yeah. drunk round a piano, yeah, being yeah, sure. obnoxious. Yeah. It's not enough that they're Nazis and want the end of the free world. <laughs> they're also they're being drunk and, and truculent, <laughs> damn it. Um, and oh, that scene with Michael Fassbender when they're in the bar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. great scene. That's a great scene. Um, and in this case, in, in Casablanca, Laszlo stands up. Oh. And here's the thing I want to be in the position in my life at one point, uh, ladies and gentlemen, where I can go up to a band leader in a bar that I entered for the first time yesterday and tell him to play the Marseillaise. It's amazing because they're all sitting there and they're all quite cowed. They've all got their heads down and stuff and they're like, these fucking guys, but what are you going to do? And he's like, play the Marseillaise, damn it. And they're like, you've got like uh, Yvonne who has been Yvonne or which will I think Yvette was in that lower low Uh, Yvonne there you go that'll be it Yvonne who has been um, she came in earlier in the film with the uh, Nazi captain and she's clearly like she's a jerry bag damn it and she's gone over to the other side and she's fraternising and then even she starts she bursts into tears and singing La Macias you've got the the woman singing like the uh, flamenco with the Spanish guitar and everything that amazing song that she sings at the beginning of the film that's the one bit of the movie for me that I'm like I feel like she was sleeping with the director or something. They were like, yeah, you can sing a song in my film. Like, why is that? But even her, it's she's... When, I mean, they, like, they're fucking giving it some. And so we get the Marseillais, everybody on their feet, and mm. the Germans are cowed and yeah. drowned out. Sorry, the Nazis. <laughs> um, and, of course, this does nothing for Lazarus standing in no, the local community. Because never mind that you blew up a whole bunch of munitions depots and, <laughs> and killed a bunch of soldiers. The real insult. You, you stopped us singing in a pub. <laughs> You yeah. bastard. Well, I don't know if you've been to some of the more countrified parts of Jersey in the pub, but if you stop them singing, it will piss them off. Um, one of the things, musically, uh, there's actually... It's, it's bizarre. There's music again, a theme that runs through. Um, Max Steiner, yeah, absolutely. Um, as well, time goes the Mar- by... As time goes by, classic. and the Marseillaise is the repeated... Um, like the refrain of the of the movie. The Marseillaise is played in different, you know, uh, different ways throughout the movie as part of the score. It's... Uh, um, we I do think have he might have actually won. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for best music. Actually, yeah. it won three. It won best uh, best film, uh, best director, and best writing. Um, and this being despite the fact that nobody who actually plays an instrument, uh, not nobody, that's unfair. The, the band, by and large, seem to know yeah. what they're doing. Sam can't play the piano. No, he's a drummer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but he's that's him singing. Uh, they didn't know if they were going to use him singing on it, but that is him singing, but he's a drummer. That's why his hands are just going up and down while he plays the piano. Well, in the background, you've got this amazing kind of run up the keyboard and his <laughs> hands have moved an inch. Um, he's yeah. either very, very good or he's faking it. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So what did, what did you, watching it for the first time, what did you think? To be completely and totally honest, I genuinely enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Ooh, controversial. <laughs> just as long as you're being honest. But, <laughs> oh, okay, right, here we go. <laughs> I struggled with the areas that I knew I would struggle with. Sure. Um, and I've, I, you know, very well, I was born in the 80s, so um, born to parents who grew up watching um, this kind of movie. For, yeah. They would almost certainly have seen it. And I do struggle, I suppose, with uh, the realignment that's required. Um, the fact that 
the girls are, let's face it, useless. Useless um, or flusies. Anything. Yeah. Um, the men are... It's not even a, a, a sexism thing. That's kind of almost a given. Yeah. Um, but the men are unnecessarily stiff and, and upright. Mm. That there's veiled passion that actually in that scenario would not be veiled. Sure. Um, and I well, appreciate that's, that's more of a movie thing than there's more of a haze code kind of thing. Yeah, I appreciate there's there's reasons for all of this, but it does mean that I came came to the end of it and I thought that was yeah one of the better movies that I would probably not have watched. Sure. Okay. Um, and there are certain elements um, where you can see why they've done it, and you can absolutely see why the the scriptwriters pursue a certain angle. Um, most notably, the moment where she literally has him at the end of a gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just uh, pop him in the kneecap. But she's weak, because she's a woman. Yeah, and it doesn't quite <laughs> sit <laughs> yeah. right. Um, no, that, I mean, that 40 centability. There are also other worse examples. That, don't get me wrong. Bergman um, is quite lovely. Mm. Um... And actually remained quite lovely. I did. I did check. <laughs> but it wasn't just makeup and, and no, lighting no, and, and soft focus. Um, but at the same time, she's not exactly the most expressive actress I've ever seen in that no, particular indeed. film. No. Uh, Bogart again plays himself. His haggardness yeah. um, definitely comes across. Yeah. And uh, whether that's just incidental, that, that that's just he is haggard. <laughs> he's quite haggard. <laughs> he's acting. about four hundred fags a day. Mm, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I do like the. Um, I know it's a, a finer point. We are in the golden age of, of cinema and their relationship with tobacco. Um, yeah. So there are some fantastic cigarettes smoked in that film. Since, 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 I, since I have quit smoking, Casablanca is one of the few films that I actually watch film and go, God damn, I do want a cigarette. Look at all these cool people. Have it you, is, you, can, cool you can absolutely see where like, the romanticisation... I want to Turkish cigarette while oh, I drink... And you like, know it's going to be... It's, it's camel dung. It's going to be rough as it's, a yeah, badger's exactly, That's what I mean. It's like some terrifying coarse-blend Turkish nightmare that's like ravages him. Is, yeah. There yeah. were, as I say, there were some elements of the, the production. I mean, I, until earlier, uh, before we started the recording, I didn't realise that they'd built bricks... As a yeah, set. It's, also, it's all the soundstage. Um, yeah, the production value of, of, of the setting and what have you is... Yeah. is it feels superb. like a place, doesn't it? I mean, all they will do, yeah. Um, the supporting actors are amazing um, yeah. and do make it breathe and, and live. Mm. And the plot is manageable. Um, mm. you know, there's nothing in there that's particularly exciting. You've but got the MacGuffin of the exit visas, which... Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure that was even a thing. And if it was a thing, it seems very unlikely that they'd be signed... Like, because they're signed by Charles de Gaulle, yeah, um, which is why they're good. But why would the Nazis honour that? Charles de Gaulle was a president living in exile because France had been invaded. Well, you're in free France. Don't forget, the Nazis have no power. I don't think the Nazis would be like, no, cool. If Charles de Gaulle signed them, then then we'll leave you alone. I feel like they'd be like, actually, screw you. Charles de Gaulle is nobody. Bang. I think it's also the idea that you have these kind of letters of, of, yeah. of passport um, that are just left conveniently blank. <laughs> yeah. Who are, the, yeah, who are these is. for? Well, and these two is. letters are and for Mike and Rob. Don't bother filling in their names. They'll do that when they get them it's, safely. It's very much this idea of, like, uh, like the Nazis are going to play by the rules, so don't worry about it. Like, obviously, it's like, they wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be cricket. Like, of course they're going to do the right thing. Like, it just see, it's all a bit weird. But, I mean, it's a movie, isn't it, so... But yeah, to summarise my review, um, which isn't really a review, um, enjoyable. We'll watch it again at some point. Um, I don't consider it to be one of the greatest pieces of cinema I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I can understand 
and appreciate mm. why it has the status it has amongst the film watching masses. Sure, sure. And it's, it's, I think as well, it's. I mean, all these films like that, they have a thing where, like, oh, it's a classic. So you watch it and go, yeah, of course it's a classic because it's a classic. So shut up, it's a classic. But it's a personal thing. Yeah, but Citizen Kane's it? a classic. Fucking hate that. Film. I don't like a Stinkane either. It's a boring. Anyway, speaking boring. of the film watching masses. Yes, speaking of the film now, this is a new segment which I've written a jingle for. It goes Amazon. No, it doesn't really. I haven't written a jingle. Uh, this is one star reviews from Amazon. The movie is really great, but we all know haters gonna hate. We all know the film's alright. These crazy people think it's shy. From the depths of the internet, we bring to you. It's Amazon One Star Reviews. By and large, the One Star Reviews are like, this DVD is terrible quality and blah, 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 blah. But there are some, there are some really good ones. So <laughs> these are called These are from real reviews from Amazon.com? .co.uk. And sorry, America, but uh, the crazier ones, and when I say crazy, we're building up, but wait till the end. Okay. Uh, they are from .com. So the first one is uh, from M. Gillingwater, May 2016. Everybody in this movie is dead. Boo! No stars. Can't give no stars on Amazon, so... Bit harsh. Bit harsh. Kayla, January 2016. Boring! Don't agree with you there, Kayla. Is, is that it? it? That's it. That's the whole thing. No, there's definitely some... There's definitely a reason to finish the movie. It's... it's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lucy Hurley from October 2009. Humphrey Bogart is a master of the outer cold inner warmth style. Ingrid Bergman glows in her authentic softness. Doesn't mean anything. In the end, Rick makes the, the best right decision for the individuals involved, and because of this, their actions are also good for society. This movie really deserves five stars. How many stars? Gave it one star. <laughs> I feel like it's just somebody misunderstanding. That yeah, just made uh, me laugh. <clears throat> Sorry, who was that? That was, that was Hurley. Lucy Hurley. Lucy Hurley, step away from the <laughs> internet. Out. Like, maybe you've got, like, a son or a grandson or a granddaughter well. that can help you work out how to do yeah, the stuff. And, and, and considering that's no. <laughs> how she rated a movie, imagine when she's trying to praise one of her relatives. <laughs> so that was so a good. really good it job. Just made me laugh. Now bend over laugh. so I can kick you up the ass. So th this one is... I mean, well, I'll just read it. It's just the best. Now, this is from Amazon.com. And this is N. Lee Kaylee from February 2013. And it's entitled Fornication! Capital letters, exclamation mark. What's there? Strap yourself in, Rob. Okay. Same old story, immortality. Fornication between Rick and the chick. And what happened after this? Burgermeister went and committed adultery and her children suffered for it. Adding Meister to the people's names is a theme, you'll see. Uh, don't think Satan has only been around since the Beatles. May, I mean, what do you say? He's been plying his trade for millennia. Who paid to see it? Rotten Americans. They gratified their lust, and the movie made money, and the tale kept spinning. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know. This is the best. It's not done yet. Satan's got a real racket. Burgermeister and Bogey, doesn't get a Meister, just Bogey, fell for those tricks and are now you know where. They were Satan's pawns, just like America is. Love of Money by Mr. Warnermeister, or Mr. Warner. I don't know why, Mr. but Mr. Warner, Mr. Mr. Warnermeister has the feeling of anti-Semitism. I don't know why, because his name is just Mr. Warner. But anyway, Mr. Uh, Love of Money by Mr. Warnermeister is the root of all evil. Corrupt movie used by seducing spirits, demons in brackets, just to be clear, to lead the world to hell. That is legitimate. Now, I was like, so someone's having a laugh. 
This does explain <laughs> why, pretty much five minutes after the credits had rolled, the living room was invaded by succubi. It's amazing, isn't it? I was. I was. It's I mean, we had to get the raid out. The big can. Um, <laughs> the big can. It's amazing. It is amazing. So I looked at the other the other uh, reviews of this this person, thinking this has got to be a wind up, and it's like. Um, different editions of the Bible, like five stars, amazing. Um, worryingly, a set of knives, five stars, and the review was literally very sharp. And then just slagging off so many other films with one star, with this kind of stuff, that I'm not going to go into it because we're definitely going to do the other films that this person has reviewed, and I'm going to do one every time. Do you think we can get him on? <laughs> I don't know. I'd pay for him to fly over. No, 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 steady on. I don't want him in the same (laughs) place. Skype, live by Skype. We can definitely do this via Skype. (laughs) Maybe we'll bring his knives. No, amazing. So, yeah, so clearly we, you know, people agree with you. It's not the best film that's ever been made, Rob. Um, Yeah, I I don't quite. (laughs) I think I'd stop just short of suggesting that this is spawned from Satan's (laughs) arsehole. It's just the best. I was like, oh, that I literally just thought, that'll be a good segment. That'll be quite funny. And it turned into absolute insanity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So on that on note. On that note, <laughs> um, if you enjoyed Casablanca, what other movies of a similar bent could you watch? Uh, anything we've both got in. So you want to watch Maltese Falcon, you want to watch Key Largo. African Queen, all that kind of stuff. Um, Peter Lorre, who was amazing in this, who we didn't really speak about, actually. Well, we spoke um, about him once he got killed. He got Fairly killed. On. Uh, there's M, Fritz Lang's M, which is just bananas how fucking good that is. And he's an also in Maltese Falcon. Um, if you liked how it was shot, the cinematographer also made Frankenstein. You know, the, the original Frankenstein with Karloff. Um, Rob just did an amazing mime of what Frankenstein walks like. It was brilliant. Uh, and yeah, just um, miming, as always, by the way, is, as always, miming you, is very, very, very good for podcasts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as always, I mean, if you like a film with a dark sensibility, with a noirish sensibility, and self-sacrifice, um, and self-sacrifice, I think the best way to go is Event Horizon. As always, get involved with Event Horizon. So there we have it. <clears throat> Moving swiftly on, um, <laughs> there we have it. Casablanca, um, a classic. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't watch it, if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you don't, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. And also, why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't watched Casablanca? This would be nothing to you. We're taking up an hour of your life talking about a film you haven't seen. You're so weird that you've listened to this and not watched Casablanca. I can't believe it. Sort your life out.